Our reading is in Acts chapter 11. <clears throat> Acts chapter 11. Uh, from verse 19 down to the end of the chapter. Now those who have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Notice in verse 19 that they preached the message. They preached the message. Come down to verse 20, and it's a little more explicit, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. In chapter 10, uh, where Peter had gone to preach the message to Cornelius and his household, uh, he elaborates a little on that message, quite a bit in fact. In chapter 10 and verse uh, 36, Peter told them about the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. There's a great gift that God offers in the gospel, peace. Peace with God, and by extension, peace with other people too. When you come down to verse 43, he explains that the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord, who had commanded them to preach and testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Gift number two, forgiveness of sins. Peter, of course, uh, was challenged by his people when he went back to Jerusalem about going to eat with the Gentiles, and he explained the whole circumstances there. But in chapter 11 and verse 14, he explained that uh, Cornelius had received a message to send for Peter 
He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Gift number three, salvation. And then when they heard this, verse 18, they had no further objections and praised God saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Gift number four, repentance. Gift number five, life, eternal life. So there's peace, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, there's repentance, and there is life. And one other beautiful gift, because when Peter was explaining himself about what had happened, how the Holy Spirit had come on the household of Cornelius, verse 15, He came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? So there are these lovely gifts that Peter speaks about and then overarching them all, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what a blessing that is to you and me. When the Lord Jesus was going back to heaven, he told the disciples that he would send another comforter. And those who are able to understand more about Greek than John Black does will tell you that the word another there means another of the same kind. So everything that Jesus was to the disciples the Holy Spirit is to us. So we're equally blessed. We don't need to stop and think, I wish I had lived there. Well, we still do. We still do. Because it would have been lovely to walk where the Lord Jesus walked and and meet with him. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is equally uh, enriching and powerful and meaningful and heartwarming uh, to us as the Lord Jesus was to the disciples. So that was the message that we're reading about there in verse 20. The good news about the Lord Jesus. All these gifts and others besides, you can elaborate on them from other portions of scriptures and rejoice. Paul says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's, that's an amazing thought, amazing concept, isn't it? Our lives are greatly enriched by coming to the Lord Jesus. Now, when they preached to the Greeks also, we read that beautiful verse there in verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them. How we would love to see more of that in our time, wouldn't we? We'd just love to see the hand of God operating, touching the hearts and the lives of men and women and drawing them to Christ. But what was the result? It says there a great number of people were, uh, sorry, um, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now I'm going to give you some C's for you to think about today. Sometimes alliteration can be a bit of a pain. Sometimes it can be a bit strained, but sometimes it can be helpful. And the word I want to give you here is conversion. They turned to the Lord. I love that scripture in Thessalonians where it says that, Uh, You turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. Turning, serving, wait, and he goes on to say, and to wait for his son from heaven, Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Turning, serving, waiting. That's a lovely picture. Conversion is so necessary. Peter, when he was preaching to those who had actually crucified the Lord Jesus in 
Acts chapter 3, it says, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. There's a repentance there. There's a turning, a turning back to God, turning away from things that are harmful and dangerous and will lead us uh, down a path that would take us into a lost eternity, but turning to the Lord, conversion. So that's what happened there in Antioch when the good news was preached. And we delight ourselves to think of the, the divine input there. The hand of the Lord was with them. Now, this news went back to Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas along. That was the right man for the job, wasn't it? Barnabas uh, was really a nickname. Uh, his name was uh, Joseph, a Levite, and uh, you get that in Acts chapter 4. But he was a son of encouragement. How we need sons of encouragement and daughters of encouragement. Thank God for those who do that to help others along the way. So he came and he was himself encouraged because he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God. The evidence of the grace of God. Don't we just delight in seeing that as men and women do find the Saviour, their lives are touched and changed and you can see that things are different now. We need to look for more of that, don't we? Camp is coming round and we'll be praying that God will be working in hearts, young and old, but we want to see evidence of those who profess to be saved demonstrating thereafter that they belong to the Lord Jesus. So we've got the conversion and then we've got the exhortation. He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. They were on a journey now. And you think of the journey beginning. They, they set off on this journey. It was the, uh, the commencement of the journey. The commencement of the journey. And they were on a journey now. Thank God for everybody who's on that journey. Who comes to the Lord Jesus, receives Christ as Saviour. And then goes on to walk with him. But he says, remain true to the Lord. So there was the continuing, there was the commencement of the journey, but there was a continuation of the journey. And I think that's where the challenge is for us in our time. The Lord Jesus spoke about those who endure to the end. And we won't go into the technicalities of all that's involved there. But wouldn't that be your aim, to endure to the end? We've got a big enemy. We've got a big helper in the Lord Jesus and in the Holy Spirit to enable us to keep on putting one foot in front of the other and keeping on steadily day by day. But we've got an enemy who wants to divert us off track and uh, frustrate God's desire for our life. So we make it our aim to be well pleasing to him to continue enduring to the end. Wouldn't it be tragedy, a tragedy if you were serving the Lord for X number of years and Perhaps near the end you, you stumble, you fall, you get tired, you, you quit. You just think of the picture of a marathon and uh, people running in a marathon and what a, what a great crowd of people start off and then gradually uh, the ranks thin out and get less and less and uh, people don't fight through that uh, pain barrier and drop off here and drop off there and the result is that a lot fewer finish than actually start off. It's the same in the Christian race, isn't it? And that's a challenge for us to continue in the things that God has brought us to, to enjoy and to serve him. 
what do you think would be the vital experience that would enable us to, I wouldn't guarantee, say, I wouldn't say guarantee us finishing the race, but would certainly be a huge advantage, a huge help <coughs> uh, uh, toward that. I believe personally that it's what Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your acceptable service or your reasonable worship, depending which version you're using. I think that it's a, a vital part of our Christian experience, whatever our story is, whenever we came to the Lord, whether we've been baptized, added to an assembly, or whatever, to actually have a an experience with the Lord where there's a definite act of commitment, a surrender of our lives to Him. Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 5 that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sakes died and rose again. I don't think uh, you would have any difficulty in finding a married couple uh, Say, asking them the question, can you remember when you actually committed yourselves to each other? Well, it'd be a sad day for any husband who dared forget that he got married. I think he would be in hot water. I don't think the wives are likely to. But people can look back to that event, that day, when there was a definite act of commitment. Everything before that was leading up to that. Everything flowing out from that uh, stems from that act of commitment. And what I would like to appeal to young people especially, but to all of us, to be able to say, yes, I committed my life to the Lord. I was challenged about that by Jack Ferguson. I remember him at the camp one time saying, uh, I think I was about 16 at the time, so don't do, start doing your sums. But uh, I can remember him saying, I could take you to the very spot on the road where I committed my life to the Lord. He was in the assembly, but this was an act of commitment, and that's what we need to appeal to our young people, to come to that point, surrender their lives. Sometimes we sing, I surrender all. Uh, it's a good thing we can have an act of commitment. And that's what they did, or would, I would suggest, that's what Barnabas was encouraging them to do. But there's a commencement of the journey, there's continuing in the journey, and he says to remain... Uh, True to the Lord with all their hearts. Wholehearted, total surrender, total commitment. Now, Barnabas was delighted to see what God had done there in Antioch, but he recognised that the work need, needed consolidation. How was that going to come about? He said, these people need teaching. Brother Bob Hawthorne in Barhead Assembly had just come back from Malawi. And he was telling us about all the folks in the churches that he met there. But he said they need teaching. And that's the story of any work of God where God has been working and souls have been saved and disciples have been baptised. There's that need for consolidation. Now how was it going to be done at Antioch? He says, I know the very man. Saul of Tarsus. And he went way down to Tarsus and he said, Saul, here's, there's work to be done. And they came up together, came back to uh, Antioch, and they continued with them there. And it says they met with the church 
and taught great numbers of people. For a whole year, for a whole year. My, that would have been a... I wish I had been in Antioch. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't be wishing the past, should we? Uh, it must have been a great experience for these disciples. Here were two men on fire for God, uh, men who were gifted by the Spirit of God to communicate the uh, things of the Lord, and they spent the whole year there. It's interesting that you just get it slipping, and you don't read about the church being planted there, but you just get the word church being slipped in there in, in that verse uh, 25 there. For a whole year, they met with the church. So we know, we know from what happens in Acts chapter 2 about the commencement of a church of God. That's what had happened in Antioch there, and the work was being consolidated as these men spent time teaching them in the ways of the Lord. Remember Paul did that too with, uh, uh, what was his name in, later on in Acts uh, chapter 18. A man who was well versed in the Old Testament things, Apollos. Uh, uh, Apollos, uh, Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and taught him the way of God more carefully. And that's what was going on in Antioch, and we need to do the same today with disciples. And perhaps it's something you could pray about, particularly uh, with relation to the work of God in other lands, that people who will <coughs> be brought into assemblies uh, be established in the things of the Lord as a result. You notice they were called disciples. And whenever you come across the word disciple, you think of a learning process. Uh, the Lord Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, or learn from me. Which version do you prefer there? I think it's of and from. I think he's both the teacher and the subject. But we learn of him, we learn from him, and we grow by God's grace. Adding, uh, there is a scripture in Isaiah that speaks about uh, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Sometimes we use that applying to disciples. It's actually... If you read the context, it's not, a, it's not a happy one. But the principle is just the same. People go to school and they learn gradually. They add to it. I remember a little boy asking about how he could grow spiritually in Nigeria. And I said, well, how do you grow physically? He says, well, I, I eat food and I grow little by little. I said, well, it's just the same. Same principle in spiritual things. And then my next word there comes in from verse 27. I'm calling this a crisis. The reason I'm calling it a crisis was this man, Agabus, predicted a famine, a severe famine that would spread over the entire Roman world. That was a, a frightening concept, wasn't it, to think what was going to happen. We hear a lot about famines in our time and they're, they're terrifying experiences for people who whose livelihood has been wiped out and uh, great need. And you can just try and picture the situation. But the reason I'm bringing the word in there is I want to introduce a word called contribution because you come to verse 29. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. Now that's just a very rich verse because you've got the word disciples we've thought about and then you've got the personal response of the disciples, each according to his ability. Nobody was going to give more than they could give, 
but they were going to give what they should give as the Lord exercised the heart. And it says they decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. Now that's beautiful because here are two races. The brothers living in Judea will be Jews. The people living in Antioch will be Jews there, yes, but there were also uh, Greeks there. And so you find this family relationship. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To think that people who are born again by the grace of God are in God's great, big, loving family. And here we see the grace of God operating again. Barnabas saw the grace of God in the disciples when he arrived. Here's a demonstration of it. Oh, our brothers and sisters in Judea are going to be hungry. They're going to have need. Let's do something about it. And that's a beautiful thing about the fellowship today, isn't it? We see it in operation through the relief fund in very different circumstances to what we have here. So we thank God for that grace to give and, be it said, also grace to receive. Some people don't like to receive, don't feel the need, don't like to have the feeling of being dependent. So there's grace both ways. But these people were making contribution to their brothers living in Jerusalem. And that's beautiful. And I've got one less, last uh, C coming from verse 30. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. The word I would bring in there is community. These people have been saved, baptized, added to the church in Antioch, and now they discover that they're not on their own. They are part of a community. It was lovely to meet some believers down the town yesterday. Uh, but it's interesting to uh, listen to them and you discover that quite a few of them are in lively, independent churches. Little items on their own, or big items on their own. And that's great. We thank God for that. But we, we just rejoice to think that we are part of a community. And so if you travel... You can go to other churches of God in other parts of the world and you just feel, I'm at home. And it's a community aspect that comes out there. They sent their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And you might also add in there, there was a careful administration of the funds that had been collected so that it was given to people who would be responsible and administer it <coughs> with the care that is due to those things that are given to the Lord's people. In Nigeria, uh, we know there's a relief committee in this country, uh, but in Nigeria there are two main districts, and uh, in the west and in the east, they both have committees of brothers who are responsible for the administration of need to saints in their circumstances. So we see this in operation in the scriptures and we do our best to have it operating still in our time. So yes, a beautiful little section of the scriptures there. And uh, the interesting thing is that out of an apparent tragedy, a great work for God was done. What was the tragedy? Well, you read about it in verse 19. Those who have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled telling the message. So here was a work of God going on in Jerusalem. A fierce storm arises. 
Saul of Tarsus lets loose and the disciples are scattered. But it was all to the good because as they scattered, they carried the message. And others heard and others got saved and the hand of the Lord was with them and the community that had started in Jerusalem was being expanded stage by stage as God reached out to other places also. I remember watching a cotton tree in Nigeria. You can just imagine it, a big, big tree with a whole lot of cotton and then the wind comes and it just scatters the seeds everywhere. And what happens? More cotton trees grow. (laughs) And that's what we want to see happening in our time. Because we don't want it to stop with us, do we? We want the scattering to keep on. We don't pray for persecution. If God uses that, he knows what he's doing. But whether persecuted or not, our objective is to spread the message far and wide so that others will be blessed and reached and the work of God continued in other areas for his glory. Let's pray. <clears throat>